God, we declare in this moment that you are good. You are the giver of grace and mercy. You're a God of compassion. God, we also acknowledge in this moment that this world is not the way it's supposed to be. God, in this moment, we, we can't help but feel a sense of longing, of longing for your kingdom to come here, for your heaven to be here on earth as it is in heaven. God, we, we can't help but sense a desire for you to continue to make things right. God, in recent weeks and months, in recent days, we have come face to face with the brokenness in our land. And God, we lament. We lament over lives lost and lives forever changed on both sides. God, we, we see that there is brokenness and there is hurt. And God, we grieve the fact that there are even sides to take, that there's one side in the middle that's with you. That's the side of justice and truth and grace and mercy and compassion. And so God, we pray that you would bring healing to our city, that you'd bring healing to our nation. And God, that the healing force would start right here with your people, with your church. God, our hearts grieve. Our hearts grieve over all the unrest and the injustice and and over all that's just not right. But God, we are hopeful because you are our God. And, And we are confident in the work that you are doing, that you are the God who brings beauty from ashes. You are the God who takes the manure pile of our sin and you turn it into a beautiful fruit bearing tree. And, and you bring beautiful things from the mess we make. So God, take this mess around us and use us as your agents of hope and change and love. Do something amazing with us, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, a few moments ago, we introduced you to a couple elders, a couple of our newest elders here at OCC. And I've had the privilege of getting to know those gentlemen and their wives. I've had the privilege of working with the other elders who have served here. And there's a lot that these guys do behind the scenes, a lot they do to steer and guide this church to protect us and guard us and and to set vision and help us move forward. And um, I just want to let you know, as I've gotten to know those guys, I have never been more convinced with any leadership team I've interacted with um, that this church is just in really, really good hands. So I just want to—I just want another round of applause for our elders. Those guys are the real deal, and they are really good dudes, and we are really lucky to have them. And I think I could say really another time too, kind of. Um, hey, a few years ago years ago, I built a table, dining table for my family. And uh, I dabble in woodworking. I, I would not say I'm skilled at it or great at it, but I enjoy it. I work mostly with reclaimed stuff so that when I do something that doesn't go right, I just blame it on, hey, it's supposed to look that way. Um, 
But this table that I built is one of the, my favorite projects, one of the favorite things I've done. Uh, not because it's beautiful, not because it turned out really awesome. Actually, to be honest with you, it's got some glaring mistakes on it that bug me every time I sit down for a meal there. It kind of drives me nuts, uh, and it's frustrating to see it because I know that other people see it too. They're just usually too kind to say anything about it. Uh, but I love the practicality of this table because it's not just a piece of furniture that sits in the corner. It's not just something that holds other things that looks nice or not just made to look nice. It is a place where we have gathered tons of times with friends and family and neighbors and people new to our circle to celebrate holidays and to celebrate um, birthdays and to celebrate uh, all kinds of things, just to even just on normal days, just getting together. And we've had great meals and great conversations and we've told stories and we've made memories and I love what happens around that table. In part, I gotta be honest, I probably love it because it brings together two of my favorite things. I love to interact with people. I love to connect with people and I love to eat. And so when I get to connect with people over food, there's just something great about that moment for me. And I think most of us are that way. There's something special about getting together around a table. There's just something special when we gather like that. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we can't help but notice how often Jesus is pictured eating a meal with other people, with the people in his circle or people who he has newly encountered. But all the time, Jesus is in these meals. And Jesus was always intentional about it. He was always intentional about the people he was eating with. And he was intentional about about what was happening as they ate that meal together. And so we see these pictures. And one of them comes on the heels of a story we looked at last week. Now, we're in a series called Essential Business taking a look at our essential business here at Oklahoma Christian Church. And our essential business is to help everyone find and follow Jesus. So last week, we took a look at a story of three guys who got really creative and resourceful to help get their buddy close to Jesus. They were willing to wreck the roof on somebody else's house to get their buddy into that house so he could be in the presence of Jesus. And that's really cool. We need to be a wreck the roof kind of church. We need to be wreck the roof kinds of people. But right after that happened, Jesus stuck around that small fishing village of Capernaum. And he was interacting with other people. And one of the very next things we see in Mark's story of the life of Jesus is that Jesus was out early in the day. He's walking along the sea. And he comes across this guy named Levi. Now, we might recognize Levi by his other name, Matthew. But Jesus sees Levi. And he calls Levi to himself. And he says, hey, Levi, come follow me. Come be one of my guys. Come be a disciple of mine. And what's great about this is that Levi was a tax collector. And in that culture, a tax collector was, was viewed as kind of a low-life jerk. The Roman Empire had conquered the Jewish people, and then they taxed these people heavily. But what they did was they recruited people from within the cultures they conquered, and they recruited those people to be the tax collectors for them. So Levi, Matthew, was a Jewish person collecting taxes from other Jewish people and then giving those taxes to the Romans. But as part of his job, he got to collect extra money for himself. It's a pretty lucrative career. He was guaranteed protection. He was guaranteed a really nice income. He was guaranteed a job for the entirety of his life. I mean, this was a good setup. So for Levi to say yes to Jesus is a pretty big deal because he's leaving behind a lucrative career, a really good thing. Now, he would have been despised and looked down upon by some of the other Jews, by some of the people in his tribe, but he had a really good thing going. So Levi leaves that behind. That's a big deal. But it's also a big deal that Jesus would even invite this guy because Jesus is saying, hey, that guy, one of those people, this low-life jerk, 
He's now going to be part of my inner circle. Now, I want to make a quick pause here. Do not associate people who work for the IRS or who work for the government in any kind of tax situation today with the people like Levi back then. It's a different situation, different circumstance. They're not skimming off the top today and robbing you. The government might, but the tax collectors who work for the government don't. Okay, so let's, let's keep that distinction clear. But this is a situation that we have. So Levi says yes to Jesus, begins following him. And what's one of the first things that Levi does as a follower of Jesus? He throws a dinner party. We, we pick it up in Mark chapter 2, reading from the New Living Translation. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Now, let's just pause right there. we, we got to understand the picture that's being painted for us. Many disreputable sinners and people of that kind. Now, there were upstanding people who followed Jesus. There were good people who followed Jesus. There were people who had their stuff together, and they were, you know, the kind of people that we'd say, oh, you know, that, that's a sweet family, or that's a nice guy. Or, but then there was also that crowd, the, the crowd of the tax collectors, and that was a pretty derogatory term. So you see, I had some of those people who were like, oh, that dude, the bully, the jerk. But you also had, you know, people you wouldn't necessarily expect. So in our culture, it might be that, you know, you, you get, get in your mind who some of those people might be. The, the loan shark, the thug, the street peddler, the panhandler. It might be the tattoo artist, the bartender. It might be the prostitute or the stripper. It, it might be those kinds of people who are hanging out. Now, this wasn't just people who were following Jesus. These are the people coming over to Levi's house for dinner. Hey, let's have that crowd over. So this isn't like, hey, put on your nice clothes. We're going over to Sally and Joe's house and we're going to have this nice meal and make sure you look nice kids and don't say those things. Hey, you know, when we tell you to be yourself tonight, don't be yourself, be somebody better. You know, it's not one of those meals. It's the where it's like, go ahead and be yourself because we're with them. You know, this is, this is like the Fitzgibbon family gathering when we hang out with my family, right? It's getting, you know, a little rough, a little rowdy, a little raucous. It's those kinds of people. And so to this, the teacher 